Welcome to Q&A Selling Online with answers to questions about creating an online empire, promoting products, or building a brand. Your host, private label and e-commerce entrepreneur, Quinn Amorm. Welcome back to the show, my friends. Today, we have with us an active Amazon seller who also has coached thousands of Amazon sellers on how to grow their business. His name is Isaac Coolman, and he's the co-founder of Real Coaching. Isaac, how's it going? Great. How are you doing today, Quinn? I'm, great. I'm glad to be here. And it's a pleasure to have you here. And uh, you have a cool name. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Every so often, yeah. So, Isaac, uh, most people don't know, but I know that you started selling online in 2013. Yep. So can you tell us how that started? Yeah. So I'll go back to just right before I started selling because it's kind of like the transition period, right? So I was actually working at an indoor go-kart facility here in Las Vegas as an operations manager. Um, It was a fun job, but it wasn't high paying or anything. It was uh, one of those jobs that uh, kind of got me to understand a lot about business from a retail perspective. Um, I was actually working there trying to figure out how to make this particular, um, this facility profitable because uh, there were two facilities in town here in Las Vegas, and the one that I worked at was actually, it's actually closed now, but um, it, it, would, it was never profitable. So I was put in charge of like figuring out how to make it profitable. And I didn't really have any business degrees or training or anything. I just watched a lot of things and, and read a lot of things about business and kind of just understood, you know, traffic and conversion to, a, a you know, a high level sense of like, you need traffic or you need conversion or you need both to make yourself, you know, more profitable. Um, so what I did was I started examining the numbers, how many people were actually buying stuff per day? What were they buying? What kind of things were they spending money on? How many races were they buying per day or how many races per um, ticket were they getting? And just looking at all that, all that kind of stuff. And lo and behold, almost 95% of people at this time were buying single races. So meaning they were buying the least amount of things they could buy and then leaving. And I was like, well, that's not a very good way like to run a business, right? So like you want to, like if, if you're going to Disneyland, you want to be there for the experience, right? So I, I said, you know, I think go-karts are fun. So I turned to the, the owner of the business. I said, don't you like go-karts? Don't you think they're fun? And he's like, yeah, that's why, that's why I opened two facilities in Las Vegas. I said, well, great. Don't you think that other people are coming into the building and want to have fun as well? They're not just looking to race one time and leave, right? He's like, no. I was like, so we had a, a, an experience called the three race package that I was pretty much trying to sell people on all the time. I was, you know, I kind of came from, I had actually worked at a movie theater once uh, and I just knew like, Hey, you want to upsell to the you know biggest popcorn, the biggest, you know, drinks and all that stuff. So you just mentioned that right off the bat, like, Hey, do you want the big package? Right. So then if they say no, you're like, okay, well, at least I tried. Um, so then what I started doing at that, at that um, business was asking people if they wanted the free race package. I didn't know that all the other employees weren't doing that. I just didn't know that's what was going on. So I stood there and listened to what they said when a customer walked in the building. And sure enough, as soon as they walked in the building, you heard, hey, welcome to the basically the business. Can we get you into a race today? So that's what they're saying. They're getting into a single race today. And then obviously the first thing that someone's going to ask is how much does it cost? So it was like, oh, it's $20 to get in a race. Um, you get about six minutes in on the track and that's it. And then if they say no, where do you go from there? Like nothing, right? Like it's just, yeah, they'd walk out and then they might buy a candy bar or something and leave. Instead, I said, okay, well, just try this because what I think should happen is you should ex- ex- just let them know about the three race package because they're here to have fun and they don't want to leave without having fun. And do you think that one race is all the fun that they want to have? Probably not. So when they come in and say, 
Hey, welcome to the store. Can I interest you in a three race package today? Because now they don't even know what that is, right? They're like three race package. Okay, well, what's, what's that include? All right, well, you get three races, you get a t-shirt and you get to be on the track for three different races with three different formats. And so then when they started hearing that, they were like, oh yeah. So when I just basically changed the thing that people said for our customer service reps, when they first walked into a building, when a customer walked in, we went from getting about six to 10 of those three race packages a month to about 60 to a hundred. And so we went from never being profitable at that facility for a year and a half to being profitable every single month until I left. And that was for six straight months or five straight months, something like that, to the point where one of the months was actually $30,000 in profit. And I was like, well, that's pretty much the entire year that like, if you would have taken all the negative profit that I made the the last year before that, it would have been about $30,000. So one month basically wiped out the negative effect of a year before that. So basically I started really understanding traffic and conversion, especially the conversion side of things a lot better. And at that same time, an Amazon seller who just happened to be selling on Amazon right in the beginning of 2012, 2013 was actually one of the customers at the store. And I didn't know him. I never knew he was an Amazon seller until he came out of a race. And I said, you know, you looked like you're pretty quick out there. Did you want some tips on how to race faster? And he's like, really? Like, okay. So I showed him how to actually control around the corners and keep, keep the speed and race faster. So he went out there and he basically, in his next race, his last or his slowest lap was faster than his fastest lap from before. So now he was hooked. So wow. he was coming in there all the time. Like, you know, so that's another part of conversion, right? Understanding the ideal client and figuring out, you know, what to say to them to kind of get them to want to, you know, use more of your product or service. And so he was buying like everything. He's going into like these tournaments and all these other special races and stuff that we had. And he was like, you know, becoming, we're becoming friends because he was in there all the time. So we started talking and he was like, you know, I sell on Amazon. You know, I'm also looking to kind of have somebody help me run the business. You seem to know what you're doing around here. Would you want to basically do that? And I said, well, I don't know much about it. So like, let's talk about it. I kind of knew about selling online and online ads and stuff like that, but nothing crazy. And back in 2012, you didn't have to pay, well, 2013 even, you didn't have to pay for Facebook ads yet. That's how long ago that was. Like that seems like only a few years ago, but hmm. so long ago that you didn't even have to pay for Facebook ads. It was still in beta mode, which is crazy. So there I was like, let's go over, let's check out your operations. He was working from home. He's like, here's what I do. Here's the product I sell. He's pulling them out. There are cell phone screen protectors, some charging cables and stuff like that. And I was like, cool. So what do you need me to do? He's like, well, I want to basically take my, take my business and take a step back because I don't want to be working you know, 24 hours a day. So I want you to kind of run a small team. Uh, you know how to manage your business. I don't want to do that. So do you think you'd be willing to do that? And I said, all right, well, let's, let's talk about it. Like made, made basically an offer to work together. And from that moment, I kind of took that business and ran with that. But the problem was literally the day that I was set to start working the night before on Sunday. So I'm start to set to start on Monday it's on Sunday night, about 3 PM. He texts me and says, our Amazon account just got shut down. And I was like, Boy. well, <laughs> what kind of luck is that? I just quit my job. Now I've got no job tomorrow when I am supposed to start. So it was making about 300 grand a month or more than that, or at that time. And uh, so we had to start from zero. So this was like a great learning lesson. Like wow. he didn't even do he was like, yeah, I'll train you and all this stuff. And basically he didn't because he was kind of in a off put position. He was like kind of frustrated by the whole Amazon removing uh, his selling privileges. So we set up a new account, removed 90,000 units of inventory from Amazon, repackaged them and started sending them into this new account. Um, that took about six months to kind of get back up and running. So for like April and, and May of that year, which is when I started, it made very little. But by December, we actually had got it to the point where it was doing $500,000 a month again. So it was, it was a very quick learning experience of five to six months of doing 
everything under the sun to try to make this actually work again um, to the point where we we're doing like thousands of units on certain products a day, which was crazy. Wow. And you never ended up getting that account back. We did not, uh, but we ended up getting like we had we we ended up getting a couple of accounts at the time, which Amazon didn't really like. But if you set it up for different businesses, like totally different businesses um, with different brands and stuff, they didn't seem to care. And that's actually their stipulation now is if it's for a different brand or a different company, then you can open two accounts. So we were in the clear on that. We just didn't know that that was what the rule was because it wasn't clear back then. Mm. Um, So we actually set up about two or three accounts because we had um, three different brands. And then, yeah, so. They're they're still long running Amazon accounts. I don't work with that 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 seller anymore. Um, we parted ways in about 2015, and um, after about two years of working together, and he still sells. And then I started my own companies, and now I've been coaching coaching people since uh, just early 2015. Yeah, you know what? I um, I used to love go karts, go karts, yeah, and uh, I still do. Just haven't done it in many years. But yeah. years ago, I was in um, a small European country, Portugal. And I've heard of it. Yeah, there's this <laughs> perfect. It's perfect weather all year round. Uh, so I went there uh, and ended up staying for twenty something years. <laughs> wow. So anyway, there's this go kart track that we used to go to, and they rented four stroke, four hundred cc. Nice. Very governed, you know, because of safety and all that stuff. Yeah. And we go there and do some laps or whatever. And then it ended up that business was so slow that we asked them, what if we buy a cart? Can we rent rent a track instead and bring our own? And they didn't care. So friends bought 125 two strokes and those two strokes, man, those things were like insane. I was like hooked. We would go there and just, instead of going and doing some laps, we'd spend the whole day there. Right. Yeah, exactly. And then if, (laughs) If somebody showed up, it was very rare, but somebody showed up to rent one of those slow 400s, we would just wait, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're just like, you're just going to be in the way. Get out of the way. Yeah. So I know I, I have a passion for it just because I like speed and motors and anything like that. That's pretty cool. So now you 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 coach people, you still sell online and yep. most of what you do or everything you do is private label? Correct. Yeah. So we do private label FBA only um, as much as possible. I mean, every once in a while, we might switch to a little bit of FBM just to like fulfill while we're out of stock from a 3PL or something like that. So for people who might not know that terminology, private label is basically you put your own brand on pretty generic products. Now you can do improvements to those products. Like I sell an ice scraper. I have a better version of an ice scraper, but it's not patented. It could be patented if I decided to you know, try to do that, but mm. we don't try to overcomplicate the process. We just try to get things that aren't patented create a good one, maybe different, maybe differ, uh, you know, differentiate just a little bit. You don't have to go spend a bunch of money to try to make it the best because on Amazon, if you overspend on the product development, that means that your price is probably too high for what the consumer wants to buy. So you try to make it a good fit. So good value. So good product for good price. It doesn't have to be the best product at the high price or whatever. If it's the best product at the, at a good value price, then great, but don't try to raise the price thinking that you're going to get it to sell. So that's what we do. So we put our own branding on it. Um, you know, it's basically, if you, if, if you want to know what private label is in a nutshell, think of like Advil, Advil's just a label on a generic drug. There's ibuprofen, right? So you can buy ibuprofen right off the shelf right next to it, but you trust Advil because it's branded. It's been around, you know, it because your parents probably used it. Their parents probably used it and so on. Right. So that's kind of what branding does. Gives you that legitimacy. 
Um, and that's what private label is. So FBA is just when we send it to Amazon and they fulfill all the stuff for us. So we send our inventory straight from our manufacturer, either in China, the US or wherever, straight into Amazon as much as possible. And then they ship it out as soon as a product is ordered on their platform. So that's pretty much the standard uh, method that we use uh, as much as possible. We like to do that. Now, if like, say you're running low on stock and you've got some you know, inventory at like a third-party facility, a warehouse that can fulfill for you. Well, then we might switch over to FBM, which is fulfilled by merchant. And then that third-party fulfillment center will actually start uh, shipping and dispatching the units based on the orders from Amazon. There you go. Isaac, you, you're talking about, for example, Advil, yeah. uh, but there, there's one brand most people in the world don't even think about. I don't know if you know, but Nike is private yeah. label. You know that? Yeah. So a lot of people have no idea, right? But uh, there you go. That's how big you can get with private label if you want a good example. Yeah. And it's funny because I actually use Nike. I actually used to work for Nike, funny enough, uh, a while yeah. back. But uh, there there was uh, one, one thing about branding that people are like, oh, well, I got to get my brand name right. And so then they think of like, oh, like some weird astronomically hard to conceive idea. Like they want to be the next Google name or the next Nike name. So they come up with like some, you know, foreign word or something like that, that means something to them. And then that's what they call it. And it's like, well, does that identify with your main consumer? If they don't understand it, they're not going to trust that brand. So you might want to think about changing it. And they're like, well, nobody knows what Google means. I'm like, yeah, but Google also has spent like, I don't know, a half a billion dollars on advertising to get you to know what Google means. Nike, when they first started, and this is why I brought this up. When they first started, it wasn't called Nike. It was called Blue Ribbon Sports. You've never heard of Blue Ribbon Sports, but like literally they were Blue Ribbon Sports for like five to 10 years, somewhere in there. And then they changed it to Nike and then they spent a bunch of money on here's why we're Nike, right? That's why people know Nike now. So if you think you can't rebrand later to something more weird, you can like Nike was actually doing quite well internationally and then they rebranded. So, you know, that's happened before and, you know, it happens all the time. Dunkin' Donuts was the more recent one. They just changed it to just Dunkin' now. So they just call themselves Duncan. They've rebranded. So it happens. People will rebrand. So don't think that whatever you start with, you can't change later as well. Exactly. Just uh, not too long ago, transfer wise, just changed to wise. Yep. Right. Yep. So infusion soft changed to keep. <laughs> oh, really? So I wasn't yep. aware of that one. Yep. Nice. Nice. I got to check it out. So now uh, you, you coach Amazon sellers, and I'm guessing the majority of people that are looking for coaching are the ones that want to start. Is that correct? Uh, so that's the majority of the people that are looking for coaching. Um, I would guess they're looking for any sort of help. They're mm -hmm. looking for training videos. They're looking for you know any piece of information that they can get. Um, we do work with new sellers and existing sellers. Um, the, the, the thing that we do and why we call ourselves real coaching for Amazon sellers is because we try to give them actual expectations. We're not saying, hey, you can drive a Lamborghini by paying for it with your Amazon you know, fulfillment or disbursements, right? Yeah. We don't want to even give you that expectation because that's not a realistic expectation. Like you can't take a thousand dollars and turn it into a million dollar business in a year. That is not likely. That is probably not even ever going to happen if you just had a thousand dollars. But what we like to do is we, we set real expectations for how this is a real business. We want real people to actually interact with it, not you know these, you know, internet marketers that will say anything to get you to be on their, um, on their training course and give you, give you their money. Um, and then also we want real freedom. So that's what we say, real people, real business, real freedom. So we want you to be able to achieve something in your life that gives you freedom, either financial freedom, time freedom, or ge geographical freedom, one of those things, or maybe all three of them, if you are successful enough, most people work a job that they don't like. So do you want to quit your job? 
first step is let's get you to see if you can make enough money to quit your job. What is that? 40, 50, $60,000 a year. All right, we'll plot that out. How much do you want to make in a year? Let's try to get there with your Amazon business and start putting that income in your pocket. We're not talking about Lamborghinis. We're talking about literally paying bills, living your life, right? That's what our first step in first goal is. And yeah, that's what we, we want everybody to understand is that like any business, if you run it smartly and, and don't treat it like a little hobby or like it's, you know, I'm just going to sell stuff online and see what happens. It's not that like Amazon can be a real business. So if you are serious about it, you can start to think like, well, what does that really take? Well, it takes capital, it takes time and it takes effort. If you've got three of those things or all three of those things, then you have a chance to make a successful Amazon business. If you only have time and don't have capital and don't have effort, well, you're not going to do it. And if you only have two of the three things, you're probably not going to do it as easily. You might be able to do it, but it's not going to be as easy. Like for example, um, I was talking with a client the other day. He's got, he's got time. He's got effort. I'm sorry. He's got money and he's got effort, but he doesn't have time. So it's like, I had to, he had to actually hire somebody to help him right off the bat. Cause he's like, I can't do all this stuff, but I can manage you as long as you start doing all the little daily stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, that's, that's a great way to think about it. Cause a lot of people either with, with time or money, like in ample amounts might not have the effort. And, and it's like, basically if you're like, Hey, I've got all the time in the world, or I've got all the money in the world. I don't really have the desire to try to grow this as, as much as if somebody's like, I have absolutely no money and no time. I have a lot of effort. Like I will put in a lot of effort. It's like, you got to kind of start to match these things up. And if you're kind of in a sweet spot, um, and we always like to give people like a, you know, if you got like 10 K, um, that's probably a good starting point. That'll give you a, a decent amount of leeway to set up the business, you know, get some products and, and all that stuff and get moving. We don't like to set the expectation of a thousand dollars. It's just not, it's not smart. Yeah. $500 is unreasonable. All those other people that'll say, you know, make millions of dollars on Amazon. Let those guys go out there and scam people, I guess. I mean, I wish you could just take them off the internet, but apparently you can't. Um, but yeah, I mean, reasonable expectations would be treat it like a business. It doesn't cost as much as like, you know, buying houses and flipping them or running a McDonald's franchise or anything like that. It's way cheaper than all that, but you still have to put in some capital. Nice. I, uh, I love the Lambo reference and yeah. <laughs> most of the Amazon sellers know right away what, what we're talking about, yep. but, uh, yeah, that kind of stuff is, it hurts, but like you mentioned earlier, uh, conversions, that helps them get the conversions, right? Having the yeah. Lamborghini and selling yeah. and selling the idea that that person can have one tomorrow too increases their conversions. While in reality, if you tell the, the person who wants coaching, if you tell them, by the way, this is not easy. This it's hard. You have to work. You have to have capital. You have to have time. A lot of them are going to say, okay, now in that case, I'm out. So you yeah, may exactly. lose conversions, but at least it's honest and people know what they're going to get. So I love that. I love that. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, you say, you know, exactly right. I mean, it might be harder for us to convert, but at least we want to set that expectation of, first of all, creating a business is not for everybody. It is hard work. There are ups and downs of capital and depression and, and happiness and all this other stuff, right? I think good things happen, bad things happen. You have to have a really big desire to want to make it work. You have to have a little bit of risk and tolerance to make it yeah. work. Like if you're like, Hey, I don't want to risk anything. I don't want to have any stress in my life. I don't really like to, you know, take any sort of like financial um, uh, risks or, or, or time uh, effort. You know, I don't want to be uncomfortable in that. It's not for you. Like, like if any of those things are, are what you think, like, oh, I want to be comfortable. I don't I want to be stressed out. Don't start a business. I'm telling you this, you will hate a business once you start running it because you will be stressed. You will be uncomfortable. You will not like a lot of the things that happen. 
And there is financial risk. There's also risk of other things. Like, for example, if you don't properly set up your LLC and run a business under that, you could be personally liable for any sort of you know, lawsuits and litigation that comes against you. So yeah. there's lots of stuff out there that you need to be aware of in order to run this business properly. If you think, hey, I can just go sell some resistance fan on Amazon and and that happens where somebody, you know, snaps one off and they snaps themselves in the eye. Well, you're personally liable for that if you don't have an LLC. And if you don't have business insurance, you're probably going to pay out of pocket or go financially bankrupt. So there are other risks like that out there. And you have to be aware of this stuff. So I'm not saying this to scare people off. I'm telling you this, this is the reality of business. This is the reality of selling on an Amazon platform or even any e-commerce platform if you want to make sure that you're running it properly. Nice. You know, uh, there's something that I just thought of that I heard many, many years ago, and it, was, uh, it wasn't really related to selling online, but it, it applies to everything. And it was the financial difficulties and all kinds of difficulties of running a business. And the person I was talking to is, it was multimillionaire and now he's a billionaire. Um, but one of the things he used to say is, your problems do not go away. You will have the same ones, but the amount of money to fill those problems, that's what changes. Yeah. So for example, my problem was a lack of cash flow, right? And he was saying like, we still have the lack of cash flow. It's just that we don't need 20 grand anymore. Now we need 2 million, 20 million, exactly. right? So they still have the same problems just in a bigger scale. So it it gets easier, but it's never easy, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the other thing. I mean, there's certain parts about the business aspect that as you grow it, they can actually compound the things that might be harmful that you're, when you first start out, if you're overspending, well, if you're start scaling that, you're probably multiplying the overspend, right? So not only cash flow, but debt. And when the debt starts to pile up and the profits don't start coming in, and all of a sudden, maybe your sales stop going as well as they were, now you're in real trouble. So that's when you have to really think about, you know, what do you do in that situation? First of all, I would say you're probably scaling outside your means. So maybe scale slower. As every person I've ever met that's, that's started run a business and done it successfully, you want to bootstrap your business for the first two to three years at least. Because the idea here is that you want it to get running, stable, and then from there, you can start to scale it up. Everybody thinks, oh, I want to sell 10 products in the first two years. It's like, or some say even in the first year. I'm like, yeah. cash flow is an issue. Like you might not understand how cash flow works, but every time you launch a product, you got to wait for about six months to, for that product from the, the day that you order it to the point where six months later, you can actually start getting money back from it. And you don't realize that because you have to invest in the actual product. You have to invest in the marketing and the launch. And then at some point, it starts actually making you money. And that's, that's, a, that's an average time period, six months. I mean, it could be nine months, it could be three months or whatever, but six months is about right. So if you have five products out there launching one right after the other, maybe a month apart, you have multiple months where you have you know, way more cash flow out than coming in. And if you don't understand that cash flow concept, you're going to find yourself losing a grip on how much capital you have, you know, the ability to do anything. So maybe that, that product number five doesn't even get a proper launch. Uh -huh. It's just sitting there waiting in Amazon's inventory thinking like, Hey, will somebody actually buy these inventory units? Probably not because you can't afford to actually launch it properly because all your cash is tied up in inventory. That's just sitting there or proper launches for the first four or three products. Right? So you're probably going to run out of cash if you scale too fast. So just think, get one going, make sure that you have some cash flow coming back. And that's when you can probably say, okay, let's go ahead and work on number two and then maybe work like on the prospect of number three, kind of in a, in a similar timeline, but don't launch two and three right back to back, like launch them a couple months apart. So that way you can start to see how much money comes in from each one. So you're not overstretching your cash flow. 
Exactly. I totally, totally understand. And I actually know a situation where the success, the rapid success of the product created the lack of cash cash flow because you ran out of stock and now you have to pay for your order that's being made that is still in China in this case. Before you get any money back. (laughs) And and your money is literally floating in the ocean somewhere, right? And and not only that, but it's going to take 20 days to get to North America. And then go, and then you still have to sell it. And then you still have to wait to receive that money. So the success of a product will cause lack of cash, right? Yeah. Because, man, so um, we're, we're on the same page here, Isaac. Well, I'll even give you two short examples. One, I actually worked with a client the other day. And I said, look, he's ordering 700 units of a, a product that essentially costs $45 with cost of goods and shipping. So cool. Like you've got the money for that. What if this starts selling 300 units a month and you need to order, you know, 3000 units or something like that. Or if it sells 500 units a month, you need to order two to 3000 units. That is essentially $120,000 or hundred thousand dollars. Do you have capital right now for that? Cause you're going to have to put a deposit on that. If it starts selling that well, like right away. Yeah. And he was like, Oh yeah, well I do. But like, there are things that I would rather put that money towards. So maybe the success of the product actually can hinder you. And that has happened. And, and another example is the, the example of WeWork. There's a great documentary on Hulu if you ever watch uh, Hulu documentaries. But WeWork, if anybody doesn't know, is like that, that co-op office space where you go in, you rent a desk for a day and you can work from there or you can you know rent it for a month or whatever, however you want to do it. Yeah. Um, but basically it's it's group office space. And at the beginning of their company, they just kept growing and buying real estate and putting up new offices everywhere. And I think they had like some crazy number, like 36 uh, just office space, uh, you know, areas in Manhattan alone, but they had like 3000 worldwide. And how they were able to do this is they had like a Japanese investor who basically had a blank check for them for like the first three, four years saying, I see the vision of the company, go ahead and expand. And then when the numbers started coming back, the profit wasn't nearly as high as they were expecting. They were basically taking all the money, putting it into events, putting it into scaling more stuff. So there really wasn't any income. And if you do that for too long, investors are going to get a little scary and yes. you know pushed back by it, right? So at one point, they're valued at $41 billion. And the Japanese investor said, I'm not giving you any more money. They almost went bankrupt overnight. <laughs> it was like, how are you a $41 billion company? And literally the next day you're almost bankrupt. So they had to restructure the company. They actually fired the CEO and his wife who became like some CFO or something like that, restructured the company. Um, they had a lot of other weird things going on, like cult-like stuff, but um, that's whole wow. beside the whole point. But yeah, it was like this company that literally is internationally known at that point, worth billions and billions of dollars, just because their cash flow was now gone they almost went bankrupt. So that tells you the scale that, you know, from an Amazon seller yeah. all the way up to the biggest corporations can, it can happen to you. Man. So the Japanese investor was their cash flow. Exactly. It was just wow. a check, but that was it. <laughs> I actually, I, I wrote it down. I took notes to, uh, to watch that because yeah. I, uh, I can't uh, remember the name of it, but uh, you, you'll be able to find it. Just type in um, we work on Netflix. I'm sure it'll come up there. I will. I will definitely yeah. will. Uh, tell me something, Isaac. What are some of the biggest mistakes you see sellers doing, new or older sellers? Yeah, I think the f- biggest first mistake people will make is not understanding what their true budget is. So yeah. when I say that is like, how much money do you have really to run this business for the next couple of months? Like, you don't have to have it all right now, but say like in three months' time, I'll have you know maybe ten thousand dollars, right? And and I know that because I have a job, I can put like two thousand dollars in now. 
maybe $3,000 in next month, $5,000, whatever, you know, however you build that up. The reason why I say that is because when you first order inventory, you have to put in a deposit of 30%. Usually, I mean, that's the standard 30%. So if you've got a $10 product and you're ordering a thousand, well, that's $10,000. You need to have $3,000 upfront to pay for that. You also need to set up your business and do some other stuff like, you know, get some graphic design and branding done and all this other stuff, right? So you've got some business expenses to cover. So maybe let's say $5,000 in the first 60 days that you probably kind of need just on that hypothetical scenario, right? Because you got maybe $2,000 in other fees and stuff like that. Um, now, why that's important is because everybody thinks, okay, I've got $10,000. I'm going to order $10,000 worth of inventory for my first order. So I'm going to put in a $3,000 of, of, of my deposit and then pay the other $7,000. And that's all, that's it. $10,000 gone. I've got my product. Yay. Awesome. Yeah. Don't worry about any marketing. Don't worry about paying for any advertising on Amazon. Don't worry about any of other stuff. You have to know all this stuff. And we actually, in our, in our group coaching, we actually have a spreadsheet that helps you calculate all the cash flow you'll need to basically get up and running minus some of the business expenses, but we have a separate uh, kind of sheet for that to kind of understand how much you'll need there. And then basically saying like per product, here's how much money you need. If you don't have that much money, do not order that product because you will not make it successful. You will basically just have it sitting there on the shelf at Amazon collecting dust and getting storage fees. Yeah. So that is probably big mistake. Number one is, is either overspending on your budget, not knowing your budget, or just blanketly thinking I can sell anything without understanding that the competition will not allow you to be visible unless you have a certain amount of money to pay for in ads and marketing and all that other stuff. Yeah, uh, man, I love it. I love it. And uh, like you said, it's the competition not allowing you to be visible. Because a exactly. lot of people think, like, okay, my product that is exactly the same as the other 500 that's out there, I can make it show up. But you forget that the other sellers are going to do everything. They're, they're not there to stop you, but they're there to make sure that their product is number one. Exactly. Right? I mean, why would they give up their position to you? They, they don't want to lose sales either. Exactly. And yeah. Yeah, that's that's the thing about uh, online sales that most people forget because we're used to going to a store and see the products on the shelves. Yeah, and I used to think that shelf space in a supermarket is very limited, but the reality is when you go online, online space is limited because if you type in Bluetooth speaker, yep. you're gonna get that one page. That's where probably most of the sales are gonna happen. Others is on page one. Yep. Right. And if you're not there, it doesn't matter if you're behind the shelf or whatever in a store, somebody can pull it out, have a look. But if you're not on that page, uh, I mean, you could have the best product in the world. People yeah. don't see it. They cannot buy it, even if it's the cheapest, at, uh, right? the best product at the lowest exactly. rate. Exactly. And, and to your point, Amazon actually just released a new tool on their platform called Product Opportunity Explorer that almost nobody knows about. This was literally just last week. So um, third week in uh, October, roughly. Um, they basically have a tool now that shows you how many sellers make up 80% of the sales for that entire niche. And it'll tell you like, are there 15 sellers or six or 30? And basically think about that. Like if there's six sellers that make up 80% of the sales, that means you have to be in the top six to make any real sales on that product. If you don't, then you might as well not sell that product. Yes. Uh, are you in the SEM, SEM Rush group I'm on, not, no. on Slack? Oh, okay. Yeah, because uh, well, they, they share that there. I have a Slack group with uh, a team from SEM Rush, and they share that opportunity. Yeah. Um, now, uh, tell me, when, when somebody is 
actually, how do you do your coaching? Is it Zoom calls? Is it live? Do you actually yeah. fly over and go meet your the person you do one on one on one? How does this work? We've actually done all three of those in the past, but okay. uh, normally in the, in the typical scenario, it is virtual. Obviously, for the last two years, there hasn't been much traveling allowed. Um, but basically, what we do is is the difference between what we do and what everybody else does. And I don't want to say everybody else, everybody that I know of doesn't do coaching. What they do is they do teaching. And the difference between teaching and coaching is teaching is giving you information, you figuring out basically how that applies to you, and then you going out and trying to do it. Um, It's kind of like teaching in a lab scenario. Coaching is very, very much like you'd think of like a team or like a sport, right? So you come onto the team, you show us your skills, and we'll basically say, here's your skills. Here's how we think you can be better by specifically looking at what you are good at and what you're not good at. So let's say um, you come in and you say, hey, I've got this product. And then we'll say, okay, well, let's see your metrics. Let's see your listing. Let's see your actual reports, your, your PVC, all that stuff. Whatever you need us to look at, we'll look at. You have, a, you have a problem? We look at the real data. We don't just guess. We don't say, well, here's the hypothetical scenario that yes. you could possibly have. And here's the hypothetical solution. We say, here's your actual s- scenario. Here's the actual solution. And then that's how people actually get coaching. Everything else that I've ever seen online is teaching. Here's a hypothetical scenario. Here's a hypothetical solution. Nobody looks at any, anybody's business. We actually have obviously non-disclosure agreements and all this other stuff within a participation agreement to keep this all confidential in our group. But we do share. We share our products with our members. They're, the members share it with each other. And everybody feels you know confident and safe that they can actually build their businesses because everybody's working towards the same goal of helping themselves, but also helping the community. And the good thing about that is I mean, if you ever thought about like joining a club, right? So like, hey, you know, you have like a small business owners club in, in your hometown, like in the ha- in town that you live in, and there's 50 people there. Could you imagine going to that room and everybody not talking about what they did and saying, I, I, have, a, I have a business in the hair industry. It's like, what are you talking about? Do you own a hair salon? Well, yeah, but like, why don't you just say you own Deb's hair salon on the corner? Like, we know that place. Like, so that's kind of the thing, like, What's the problem, Deb? What's going on with your salon? Like, why don't we talk about how that's happening, right? Imagine if you did that in the real world, it would seem so weird, but that's how people are accepting it online, which is, in yeah. my opinion, just unacceptable. It's not coaching. It's it's teaching hypotheticals and that doesn't work. Like you can't have a template response for everything that happens on Amazon because sometimes things are weird. Sometimes things don't happen the same way they did the last time and you have to know how to be, be able to respond. I mean, everybody kind of has the same problems, but they might have, they might just need that that eyeball on a listing, for example, here's what's going on with your copy. Your copy is all over the place or your images just don't look right. How would you know that if you didn't actually take the time to peek into their business, right? And it's very easy for experienced sellers like myself and our team to go in there and look at something and go, oh man, this is this needs some work. Like, whereas you might be spent a year on it thinking, oh, it's 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 a great listing. It's it converts at 10%. And we like to convert much higher than that, yeah. but you know, ten percent for some people—that's a good standard. I mean, especially if you're on not on Amazon, that seems really high. But on Amazon, it's actually lower than average. The average is around fifteen to eighteen percent. But again, we want to be even higher than that. So you have to know what you're doing there, and and really knowing everything about the processes and getting that. Now, the the performing the execution of the coaching, as I said, is mostly virtual. So Zoom calls. Um, we actually have a forum off Facebook. We used to do Facebook and I was like, I absolutely hate Facebook. Uh, we got off of that about two years ago 
And my life has been so much better. I don't even talk to people on Facebook because I don't have to worry about it. Now I don't have Facebook arguments. Now, you know, don't old friends. I don't have to hate anymore over some dumb, stupid arguments and stuff like that. Um, It's a lot less stressful for sure. So being on the forum, you get your answers uh, for your questions. And, And really with coaching, it's not just about here's a question I need an answer. It's about here's a question. And we're going to say, let's help you understand the process of how to fix that. Because in really, in reality, you don't want a process to come up again later that you can't fix. Mm. And that's why we try to get you to understand that and, and really build the business kind of acumen for yourself. Nice. So uh, I did, I did want to ask you about that. When, when you're coaching a seller, would they at sometimes hold back certain information from you knowing that you're also a seller. So technically if you wanted to, you could launch a competing product, right? So, uh, you're, I guess you go, you're up front with the client and they, yep. they tell you their brands, but um, do you have anything that's preventing you uh, in maybe in your own company rules of launching competing products? So we don't launch competing products with anybody that, that works in our space. But at the same time, if, even if we did, uh, essentially we all have the same problem, right? We're all trying to get to the same thing. Um, we have had, I have had members launch products that I either had launched already or, you know, launched right in the same time frame. Um, but we all have different ideal clients. So we're going for different um, people essentially. So think about the ocean. So what the one product that I had, and I'll give you an example here, was actually a car wash mitt. It's like a, a fiber, um, micro, microfiber cloth, but it was like, it goes over your hand, you wash your car with it. Now I was going for, uh, my brand was, was for car enthusiasts, people who really like to take care of their car. The other person was going for families who basically car, wash their cars together. And so he was talking, that was their brand was something to do with families. We both were selling the product. That particular product was a very big struggle because it was a very competitive product, but also very confusing keywords. So at the time, this was six years ago, we didn't have all the data that we have now to figure that stuff out. So we just couldn't make it work. Neither one of us could. And we were talking to each other saying like, what are you seeing? What are you seeing? So we were actually working together to try to make it work. There's nothing we hold back because if you hold back stuff from your clients, they'll find out, they'll, they'll basically know what you're doing and then they won't trust you. So if, you, if they can't trust you, then there's, there's no point, right? Our whole goal with our company is to get actual results. We don't care about how, like, well, obviously you don't want to do anything illegal or unscrupulous, but we, we want to make sure they get the results. Even if it comes, um, not to our detriment, but comes with us working together in that same thing. Yeah. There might be some back and forth where, you know, some of my sales might go to somebody else, but you know, as we say, the reason, one of the reasons why we share our products is basically because we know we're in competitive markets that most people probably aren't going to jump in anyway, but it's also to show people, you know, Hey, here's what we're doing. Here's why it's working for us, but it might not work so well for you. So, um, you know, that we kind of do a friendly challenge. And, and one of the times, uh, somebody's like, Hey, I want to sell the same, the same product you're selling. This was to my business partner, cursing. She's like, bring it on. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's like, you know, it's like, it's, it's true. I mean, she's not going to give up her position without, but she'll tell you that, right? Like she's going to say, Hey, you're competing against me. So if that's what, what, what you want to do, I'll give you some insight, but I'm not going to let you take my position. That's just not going to happen, but I'll give you the insight of, of how to do exactly what I'm doing. If you're comfortable spending as much money as I spend, then, then feel free. If not, then I would say, you know, probably find another product. And yeah. then we, we, we definitely try to steer people into less competitive products for their, especially for the beginning of their business. May the biggest PPC budget win. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> and it does happen. And it, it's, it, it doesn't happen very often, to be honest with you. Like, I think in the entire time we've been doing coaching for six years, 
we've probably had a total of three or four people that have competed on the exact same products as us. So it's very, very rare. And it's only one product per person. So like they'll have multiple products. One of them crosses over, you know, that's, that's not that big a deal. And do you have uh, talking about competition, do you have any, any products or any categories, subcategories uh, that you recommend people stay away completely? Yeah, I think it's probably, uh, I mean, I won't say absolutely no under any circumstance are these off limits, but the most competitive ones that I know of are like cell phone accessories, absolutely massive market, mm -hmm. tons and tons of sellers with tons and tons of sales, um, exercise stuff like home exercise stuff. Most of that is super saturated. I was just looking at resistance bands the other day and the top seller has 99,000 reviews. That's not to say that they have a lot of like uh, sales necessarily, but 99,000 reviews in six years of being online. Yeah, they've got like 30,000 sales a month. It's it's insane. And that's just the top seller. I mean, the whole page one is just massively saturated with tons of sales. Um, so workout stuff, dietary supplements. Now, when I say dietary supplements, I do mean a lot of weight loss, a lot of multivitamins, stuff that's pretty standard or common or overly hyped. Any of that stuff that's overly hyped um, usually gets saturated very quickly. If it's a benign type of supplement that you don't really see a result from, maybe like potassium tablets or something. I don't know. I've never seen anybody in potassium tablets, but potentially there's some products out there that are still not saturated. I would be shocked to see them at this point because most of the big sellers on Amazon first started the FBM or the FBA private label stuff on supplements. Yeah. So that's where like a lot of these internet marketers and a lot of these, you know, trained salespeople started doing this stuff on Amazon right from the get-go. Um, same thing actually with cell phone accessories. And that's why I'm saying those two markets specifically workout equipment was like third. So those three, I know mm -hmm. are super competitive, but even stuff like dog and baby, there's a lot of products out there that if you're like, Hey, I, I can probably find a product. In yeah. You can probably find a couple of products in there. The main products, like the, the things that you are thinking of in your head, when I say baby products, those are too competitive for you. If you go out and find things that are not things that you're thinking of off the top of your head, you might be able to sell them baby, but it has to be things that are, you know, we always try to get people to think of what, what kind of accessories are out there? What kind of things are you not going to think about, but people buy are out there. Like I sell an ice scraper who sells an ice scraper, me, nobody else wants to sell an ice scraper. So I'm happy to do it. And in the winter it sells great. Um, but in the summer, not so much. Right. So it's a seasonal yeah. product. Um, but there's other things out there. Like if you just think about things that are kind of good sellers, but not sexy products, that's why we say find some boring stuff that gets you sales. That's how you build a business. I'll give you an example. Um, in baby, for example, now this product I know is oversaturated now, but two, three years ago, when we first started talking about it, it wasn't, it's those little like safety latches that go under like your cabinets and doors and yes. drawers and stuff like that. Like two, three years ago on Amazon, there were only a handful of sellers like doing any real volume. And they were doing well. And then, you know, people would start finding these little contraptions, these little things that are easy to ship, easy to manufacture, light, sell for cheap. And, you know, you can get 30, 40, 50 sales a day on these products and make some money. Now you can't. But think of things like that in other parts of other categories or even in that category that are light, you know, don't cost a lot. Don't, they're not very complex to manufacture. And you can go out and buy, you know, a thousand units for, you know, three, four, five thousand dollars ship them into Amazon, sell them for 10, 12, 15 bucks. And you can start to get some sales because that's what people are looking for. When people have to make a decision on like a hundred dollar product, your conversion is going to be very, very low because they're going to look around, they're going to shop. They're not going to just willingly spend a hundred dollars without thinking about it. They will spend, you know, between 10 and probably $35 without too much research though. True. True. There's the, 
the price point where they can pull the trigger on almost anything. Yeah. And on top of that, knowing that Amazon will allow them to return it or just exactly. get a refund. Uh, but when it's higher price points, people do have to think about it. Exactly right. Isaac, so everything you said so far, I'm like, I agree with this guy 100%. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, if other people enjoy hearing you just like I do, uh, and they want to hear more about you, where would they go to find you? Yeah, so we actually do have our own podcast. If you're looking just for some free guidance, uh, you can go to Sprint to Profit for Amazon sellers on any major platform. Um, you can go to goteamreal.com. We actually have our podcast there, but we also have some free training just to kind of get you some understanding of the business. We'll show you the framework, kind of what I've talked about here about budgeting, understanding marketing and all that stuff. So that free training is there on goteamreal.com. Um, and you can you know find us you know on social media, obviously, yeah. Any anywhere that you find uh, social media, I try to avoid most social media. But uh, if you if you do um, find our our company, Real Coaching, um, you can actually reach out to us, or you can re- reach out to our department if you're like, hey, I need some advice. I need to. I really need to get help. You can actually reach out to our team at realvipcoach at gmail.com. Now that one's very specific about actually getting coach coaching advice. Um, we try to do it to at least understand where you are. So we'll ask some questions. Once you let us know where you are, then we can try to help you move forward. So real VIP coach at gmail.com. Got it. So real, real VIP coach at gmail.com. I have goteamreal.com and the podcast is sprint or profit sprint to profit oh, sprint for Amazon. To profit. Yep. All right. I think you can find it from sprint to profit, but yeah, sprint to profit for Amazon. sellers is the full title. There you go guys. For anybody that is, Running on a treadmill right now that was sold to you by a super competitive niche on Amazon. Uh, you can check the show notes and all these links will be there for you. Isaac, thank you very much. And it was a pleasure and uh, good luck. Gwen, thank you very much for having me.